Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And he goes, Space Jesus. But I was like, oh, no. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. doing good how are you i am wonderful thank you but more importantly how and where is thumper oh thumper's somewhere in my room right now i just let him do him uh but right now he has found out that my closet is a new domain to like just explore so like my my like uh dresser that is in my cabinet he just goes and sits behind all of my uh shirts and like will rummage through and I'm like what are you doing because I'm being scared that he's gonna jump out and fall he's like unlocked a whole new part of the house now <laughs> so he's just gonna enjoy every part of it and uh, we must let people know Thumper is your house rabbit yes he's a free roam rabbit that literally does whatever he wants he has a little mansion that my brother's jealous of uh <laughs> my brother's like dang the uh rabbit has a nicer house than us and I was like shut up that's amazing though and and what's nice is you're here and you can help uh bestow the 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 virtue of a house rabbit because when i grew up we had a house rabbit called barney and he's the best but people don't think that you can have rabbits that just knock around the house all day so so billy what are the pros and cons of having a house rabbit i like treat it the same as the dog like the big negative for me is that thumper uh just poops so much but he has been potty trained so he doesn't pee anywhere other than his litter box but like he'll randomly be be like i'm not gonna make it i'm just gonna poop here and i'm like no don't do this to me um and then like another problem we had when we first got thumper is like he would chew on the walls i was thinking it was because uh like the chew toys he had he was just like i ain't having these ones uh, but we finally found him something that he liked, so he stopped chewing on the walls. <laughs> Gosh. But there are good things, though, to having a, a house rabbit, aren't there? He wants so much attention and so cuddly, and that's, like, my positive because I get so happy because I'm like, yes, you want to spend time with me. <laughs> um, 
he also does this so adorable thing. He'll do like little figure eights in between my feet. But but there is a negative to that. Like I'll get up in the middle of the night and the bird's like, oh, it's playtime and start doing the figure eights. And I'm like, oh, I just woke yeah. up. No. He's <laughs> like, no, you are awake. It's the playtime now, mom. Come on. Figure eights all around. Oh, how old is Thumper? So um, Thumper was a gift from one of my friends because I made jokes about wanting ducks and they went to Roll King to buy me ducks and Thumper just showed up. So we don't really know. I just think it's a teenage bunny. That's what we've been saying. Like it's not full grown yet, but it's pretty close. Uh, did you get ducks though? No, we did not get ducks because oh. ducks, my mom would have been so mad. <laughs> she was mad when Thumper showed up and then she was like, you know what? He's kind of cute. He can stay. <laughs> it's always better to seek forgiveness than ask permission. And I think, well, your mom would have been mad if a bunch of ducks started swimming in the bath. She'd have got over it pretty quick because ducks are adorable. They're so adorable. There's like a TikTok account that I follow and it's just this lady and her duck and she goes to different like drink places. She goes to Starbucks all the time and gets some ice water and the duck just eats the ice water and the like reaction she gets from people is so funny. Do you find <laughs> that because you've got that because because sadly we haven't got our rabbit anymore but I've got a cat and and I follow a lot of cat people on TikTok and therefore my TikTok algorithm is buggered because whenever I go on the For You page, it's all cats. Is it, <laughs> is it all ducks on your For You page? Mine's very diverse because I like a bunch of different things. Like mm. I'm a very artsy person. So there's a lot of arts and crafts on mine. Um, and then I randomly get so many cow videos because I'm addicted to cows and TikTok's like, you'll like this. Uh, at one point, it was just this girl who wore like cow pajamas all the time on my For You page. And I was like, I'm not mad about it, but I feel like this is too much. <laughs> and where'd you get those pajamas? Um, they, um... I actually have a cow onesie. It was a gift for my birthday. And I was like, these are great. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do, Billy Starks. Of course you do. Um, we could talk about this for ages, but we have got to talk about wrestling. It's kind of why we're here. Um, we, we can touch on that again in a bit, but we're sending you onto a desert island, Billy Starks. Um, oh, no. the ducks would love it, and uh, we're gonna send it with you a DVD featuring three wrestling matches that you can watch while you're there. They can't, they'd have to be the best wrestling matches of all time, uh, critically, but they're matches that mean something to you, uh, with some significance in terms of where you watch them, how you watch them, when you watch them, and, and who's in it. So, what would you like your first wrestling match to be, Billy? Ooh. I, I want a Millie McKenzie and Pete Dunne like, tag team match, but I don't know which one I would want. You are a massive Millie McKenzie fan, aren't you? Oh, of course, match. of course. And then I also love tag team wrestling, and I felt like their whole dynamic works so well together. She is Millie McKenzie and the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne! And they are the bestest friends in the whole entire universe!
My dad and me just watch wrestling randomly all the time in our living room and he pulled it up because I had no idea that they were a tag team before because he knows I'm obsessed with Millie McKenzie and he's like you'll like this and puts it on I was like oh no <laughs> what's the obsession with Millie McKenzie out of, out of everybody else what's the obsession I just like when I watch her I automatically become entertained like I have a small obsession with her and Matt DeMores because whenever I watch them they would do things I wouldn't expect and I'm like oh <gasps> This makes me love wrestling. <laughs> I just want to do things people don't expect because it just grabs people's attention so much like this. Because I feel like sometimes wrestling, they're doing what people expect and it's not as interesting as it could be. Do you watch a lot of stuff from Progress? I mean, like, obviously, Millie's a big, big part of the British wrestling scene. Are you familiar with the British wrestling scene? I know little bits and pieces, but I haven't, like, done a full deep dive. Like, I've chosen, like, my few people from it, or, like, I've watched a few progress shows. But I've heard a lot of interesting things, and I feel like it's good to see different styles from people. Because, like, from where I am, I'm in, like, the Midwest area. I see so much of this, and I see, like, people are kind of doing the same thing. So it's good to branch out and see what else is going on in the world. I think so. Yeah. And like the British scene, which has been like, like everywhere, just been, just been completely frozen for so long. Uh, I'm excited for the prospect of it coming back at some point and being, I've heard that you guys been on a real strict lockdown and I was like, you haven't Uh, had wrestling for like 11 months. And I was like, I could never, we are coming up to my mind. <laughs> we're coming up to the one year anniversary of of lockdown of the first lockdown. Like it's at the moment here in where I'm in in Newcastle upon Tyne, it's it's a beautiful city, but nothing's open. There's no pubs open. There's no restaurants open. There's what we'll do. Oh, this is a rare occasion. We will stick in a a Millie McKenzie Bru- Pete Dunn Bruiser Mates match for you. We'll, okay. we'll pick one at random for the DVD. It's a bit, on a, a bit off the beaten track. <laughs> We'll do. We'll definitely do that. Are you a fan of Pete Dunn's work as well? We talked a lot about Millie McKenzie, but what, what do you make of Pete Dunn? I find him a very interesting character, um, but I feel like uh, Millie grabs my attention more because of how fun-loving she is. Uh, but he's more of like, I'm this big tough guy. So it's one of those things I enjoy his wrestling. I don't know about the character. Like it's not a character that I connect to very much, but I see other people really being drawn towards him. But I think he's a great wrestler. As as somebody from Pete Dunn's neck of the woods, how do you find his accent? Really? Uh, I just... I don't know. Like when I listen to people, I find everybody's voice very interesting. Um, my mom yells at me all the time because I'll randomly look at people and I'll be like, you sound like this. Or like uh, sometimes I'll look at people and be like, oh, you look like this animal and I'll get in trouble. And my mom's like, you can't say that. And I was like, what? It's true. <laughs> Who was the last person you offended by saying they look like an animal? It's been a minute. because oh. <laughs> I think I looked at Kayla Cassidy and I told her like she looked like Thumper for some reason because they were sitting together and I was like, you guys are twins. <laughs> I bet she was delighted to be compared to. Hey, hey look, there's, there's worse, there's worse animals that you can be compared to <laughs> than a bunny rabbit. I'm just saying. I think she looked at me and she was like, "We're cute together, but please don't call me a bunny." <laughs> <laughs> at least if I go to the toilet, I don't go in the corner. <laughs> That's important. You said there how um, you mentioned during when we talk about Millie McKenzie about 
you and your dad watching wrestling and I know your mum's a fan as well. Uh, you grew up in a real wrestling family, didn't you? So it actually was just like me and my dad for the longest time. Um, my brother was kind of into it, but he's more into video games. So he was like kind of in and out of it. Um, and then when uh, I started wrestling, my mom was like, okay, I'll get part of this. Cause like she used to go to wrestling shows with us and then it would be hours long. And she's like, I just want to go home. This is real long guys. Um, but she fell in love with it too, because of what I was doing. She saw like my happiness for it. So she got in- into it more. And then she saw like a marketing side of wrestling and was like, Oh, this is fun. So like all of like my gear designs and stuff, that's her drawing on paper of like, Oh, I think you'll like this. <laughs> oh, wow. When, when, um, with your mum, I, I do understand one of the first live, one of the first wrestlers that she, she was introduced up close and personal to was the Necro Butcher. Which is which is a great way to, to, to get introduced to what your daughter will be doing for the rest of her life. This is the Necro Butch. <laughs> Talk us yes, through what it, happened that day because I love it. <laughs> it was one of my first, and I think it was my very first independent show. It was a D1W show, um, and like the show is going on. There's been a few matches, and then Necro Butcher's music starts, and I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. Then this man comes out barefoot, throwing a trash can halfway, halfway across the Colgate gym, and you just see me lose it. I'm like, yeah, this guy. And you see the despair in my mom's eyes. Like, my dad is laughing. He's like, oh, I'm proud of myself. And then my mom's just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Has your mom since met um, Necro Butcher away from wrestling? So she has not met him. We, me and my dad actually ran into him at a rock star show. Um, and I didn't know it was him because he had like his uh, mustache like curled up. He was in a real nice outfit. Like in my head, it just didn't click. He walked away because we were talking about, I think it was like the food that was at the concessions or something. And then he walked away. My dad like casually strolls up and was like, hey you know who that was and I was like no not really he goes that's necro butcher and I you just see me just light up with joy I was like oh no <laughs> did you go back and see him or was it too late then it was the, it was the moment passed. no no I talked to him later in the night just for like a few minutes but it was just what was going on in the show um because he was an agent for one of the matches and he was like yeah it's been a fun show blah 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 when was it that you decided that it's great to watch this thing but I actually want to do it was there a particular a, a moment in time that you remember where you went yep this is this is for me I want to get in there and do that so I've been asked this question a lot, but it was like one of those decisions that I made that like when I was super young and when I was first introduced to wrestling, I just looked at my dad and was like, I want to be a wrestler. Um, and then like before that, I would always say I wanted to be an ice cream truck driver. But then it changed to, no, I want to be a wrestler. Um, and that just stuck for so long of like me never changing my mind because I'm so stubborn. Um, and like me still loving wrestling till this day that like... I just was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And like in my head, whenever I was growing up, I would do sports for wrestling. Like there was always a game plan for wrestling. Like I did cheerleading and cross country before I started wrestling to help me with wrestling. Is that the reason you're doing theater as well at the moment? Is that lending into that? Um, yes, I started doing theater and stagecraft 
uh, to help with wrestling. Like I did stagecraft because I was like, oh, it'll help me with uh, building costumes and props if I want to use them in the ring. Um, and then theater was like, oh, I can work on being more vocal or I can do this with my face. And it was just helping me a lot more with improv because my teacher has helped me a lot with that stuff. She was like, oh, this is how you can help other actors on stage if they forget something or this like that. And it kind of converts over to wrestling like, oh, if this person forgets something here, I can help them. Do you think acting and the process of acting, if there's anything that draws you away from wrestling, do you think it might be that? I honestly feel like it would be more of the technical stuff from theater because I have so much fun with like uh, doing the costumes backstage or people's makeup. I just love seeing it all come together. That was like a big thing for me. Like uh, I was trying to find up like my backup plan for wrestling. Like what happens if I get hurt? What's something else I can do? Um, and I talked about like being a theater makeup artist at one point or a physical trainer. Like I, I know I need a backup plan because sometimes my body will fall through at some point and I just need to be prepared for that. What's a theater show that you've done that, that you're particularly proud of when you think on it? Oh, so my high school did a crucible, which is like the Salem witch trials. And it was so much fun. But it was so stressful because, like, I joined a week late because, like, the week that they started, I was, like, stuck doing something else. And then when I came, they're like, oh, you have to finish, like, 50 aprons this week. And I was like, huh? Hold up. <laughs> Go back. So uh, you had a, a hellacious week putting that together then? It was so much fun putting it together, but it was so much work. Uh, like, I have some of the pictures of, like, costumes I made for people. Um, but it was also really weird because you're working with fabric the theater already had. Um, or you would have to figure out, okay, how can we raise money for, like, this fabric that we need for this? And you really got into the process of putting those outfits together then? Mm-hmm. I can't tell you that they were perfect. Like I could never wear any of them out to a wrestling show and them not fall apart, but they were good for like the onstage play that we had to do. <laughs> plus, plus you're not doing a gimmick where you're in the Salem witch trials. So it'd be a bit weird if you walked out dressed as somebody. <laughs> this comes out with the bonnet and the apron on and one of these uh, like poofy dresses. <laughs> didn't, they, didn't they burn the witches during the, the Salem witch trial? This is a random tangent, yes. but go with, go with. They did, didn't so, they? Uh, during our play, we had uh, one girl like go up in flames, like they burned her house down. So like we did like with lights of like her burning and then the other one. So it was a roundabout theater. So everybody, all the um, like fans are on stage with the actors and like the circle and they hung like uh nooses around and they hung all the witches at once like over the audience and it scared a bunch of people but it was really really cool <laughs> it I love sounds the so gruesome but it was like such a like uh theatrical play that sounds amazing i like the technical <laughs> side of it and i was just it, it's worrying that as we were talking my brain went how did they burn the witches just, <laughs> i'll just ask you and now and now we know <laughs> Hey, look, you'll be you'll be probably too humble to admit this, but you've been identified as a VPA in the drama area of giftedness, <laughs> which is a really cool thing. To, so for those who don't know, explain what that means. So uh, 
VPA. I actually just found out about this. Like, my teacher nominated me for it. And I was like, what? Why? I just show up to class. <laughs> um, but, like, uh, visual performing arts is, like, what VPA stands for, if I remember correctly. Um, and I got given that award from one of my teachers uh, because of, like, what I was doing with class and, like, how I was going about like different plays when we would read them I would be like oh this would be cool if we did this in the scene oh we're supposed to go into a different scene from here how could we go from this scene to the scene super easily um and my teacher just thought I was doing phenomenal phenomenal work and was like here I think you deserve this and I thought it was really shocking because I was like oh I thought I was just doing what I was supposed to <laughs> what is it you what was it so what will happen with that now then will you be doing more in the way of mentoring so uh I think I qualify for next year uh I can be a teacher aide but I don't know if I'm going to do that because um like with COVID teacher aides are kind of weird like I talked to one of my friends who's one um that like you kind of can't do anything to help because you're not in a classroom and it's hard to talk to other students about like what do they need and stuff like that so I if we're still online I don't know if I would do that um but then also with that I think if I do like a like more advanced theater class I can go from one to another like if I I'm in theater two right now but I could go to theater four instead of going to theater three and then four when did you start training um I started May of 2018 I was very young which I didn't even think I was going to be able to get into a ring at that time Uh, my like impression was I had to be at least 16 to always get in the ring Um, but I was very very much younger than that Um, one reason I don't say my age a lot is I don't like people judging uh, how my wrestling is based on my age Um, I want people to think I'm an amazing wrestler because I'm an amazing wrestler not because of how young I am but I was 13 at the time do you feel like you get some of that then because you're younger that people will will call that into question? Um, I think people use it for like, oh, you're good for your age. Oh, you're good for this. You have time to be better. But like, I want to be better now. So why should I have to wait to be better? I feel like some people just take it as, oh, she has time. So she doesn't have to worry about it yet. I want to worry about everything and making me the best wrestler I can as quickly as possible. Like, my father's really, really good about it of, like, he won't hold back at all. So I always say that he's my most honest critique. It's not even myself. <laughs> you need um, people like that in your corner. When you're, you know, you need people to say, Billy, you were crap there. So they, because otherwise, how are you going to be not crap if people aren't telling you when you are? Exactly. I completely agree. Talk to us about that first day in the training school. So you 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 know this is what you're going to do. <laughs> so that first, so so from the moment you walk in, so who trained you? Um, my original trainers was uh, Rudol Omada and Rudy Switchblade, um, and then I got some further training from some other people. Okay, so that first day though, where you work walking into the the training school, um, talk to us about this, the first thing that went in your head when you first arrived. <laughs> So I just came from cheerleading practice. So I'm in my cheer clothes. Um, I walk in. Um, this is like a building that I've been a million times called the Jeffersonville Arena. Um, but 
training was already started. I come in and uh, I was just there to watch. That's what they originally like messaged me and was like, you can come watch. You can see how a practice runs. And I'm like, okay. Um, they start doing rolls and warm ups. Um, and then Rudy asked me, oh, do you want to get in the ring and try it out? And I was like, oh, of course. Like, why am I going to say no? Um, I start doing the roles and stuff. And uh, my dad tells me this later that he looks over at my mom and goes, yeah, she's smiling too much. You're never getting her out of there. Uh, and my mom went ahead and paid like the deposit and stuff for my wrestling training. Uh, but forever ago before that I made her a promise that uh if I she said if I went to college she'd pay for wrestling school but wrestling school uh came before college so I still have to hold up my end of the deal what was something that you learned in your first couple of sessions that surprised you just how much of it is like a work together like I thought a lot of things depended more on you than the other person but a lot of things depend on the other person and not you like my, I think it was my second week of training, we were working on wheelbarrows and it was like, I really don't have control over this, but this is supposed to be the move I'm giving to this person. <laughs> but you master it pretty quickly by by all accounts. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The second week when I was doing a wheelbarrow, I might have gotten dropped on the head, but it was okay. We got past it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something that one of your first trainers told you. Uh, during your your early days learning that has stayed with you? This wasn't from one of my trainers. This is actually from a person uh, that I told I wanted to start being a wrestler who was already in the business. Um, he looked at me and was like, you just need to be a good person. Don't, uh, like, there's no point in being a bad person. You just need to be a good person. And, like, set down these rules for me that have just helped me through wrestling so much um, of just, like, talk to other people, uh, want to know more about your match, want to learn and just be open-minded. And at the end of the day, you have to be open to everybody's critiques, even though you might not understand them. Was it, there's that- been like, oh, sorry, go on. Uh, I feel like when I first started out, there's a lot of like critiques people would give me and it wouldn't like, I, it wouldn't click for me, but now it does because I have had more time to like be in a ring. Because um, like my dad used to tell me stuff, and I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying, but okay. Like I would shake my head because I have to take it, and then later on it would be like, oh, this is actually helpful. Thank you. <laughs> Give me an example of something that your dad said that that didn't click initially, but is completely part of uh, part of it. All. Oh. He used to say so much crap to me that I would just be like, okay. <laughs> uh, but like, he he's always told me to, like a lot of people told me this, but like my dad would say it the most of like, uh, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. And like in my head, I feel like I'm moving in slow motion. So I'm like, huh? Uh, but then it started to like click with me when I started to watch my matches back of like, oh, I probably should have paused here. Oh, I should have paused here. And then I started doing that. And he goes, you fixed it. Good job. And like, when I hear good job from my dad, I'm like, let's go. I did it. It's like the big celebration. (laughs) There's nothing better than getting that approval from from parents anytime. The funny thing was like, I had a really big weekend and I had two matches. And like, in my head, I was like, ah, it was okay. 
And then uh, he looks at me and goes, you did a really good job this week. And I'm sitting there like, is he being sarcastic? I don't know what I did. Why'd he say that? Like, I'm sitting there, like, just overthinking all of it. And I finally just ask him, and he goes, no, I think you actually did good this weekend. You did what you needed to. And I'm sitting there, like, I still feel like I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, you find, um, do you find taking compliments easy? Um, it's, like, sometimes it really depends on my mood, if I'm being honest. Like, there's sometimes where I'm, like, thank you so much. And then other times I'm, like, uh, I don't know. I don't think I deserve that. Uh, but it's like a give and a take. Like I, I'm really supportive of myself. And then other times I'm very tearing down of myself. You just have to catch me in the right mood if you want to try to give me a compliment. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Right, we're going to talk more about you getting into the ring very, very shortly. But we've got another match to pick, Billy. Maybe we'll pick Ooh. a match this time. Let's see how we get on. <laughs> Rather than rather than a tag team, let's do it. Let's do it, Billy. What's your second match? Uh, Sasha Banks versus Bailey at the Brooklyn Takeover. That's it. Submission maneuver. Big statement. Sasha Banks wants to make Bailey tap out. The fairy tale ends right here. Or does it? Bailey desperately crawling. Sasha Banks getting the bottom rope with her foot. 
able to break the hold, but my God! Now the Sasha Banks knew she was just seconds away from relinquishing her NXT Women's Championship. I still don't know how Bailey reversed the bank statement. Why this one in particular, though? Because they had a couple of bangers, but why they this did. one in particular? I just feel like the way they grabbed the audience attention in the Brooklyn takeover and how the crowd reacted to what they were doing, like every match they had were was so good, but this one just grew like drew people in so much more. Where were you when you watched this match? I believe I was in the living room with my parents once again. <laughs> um, if not, it was probably in the car ride. Uh, but I believe it was in the living room for this one. Did, did, did something in the air, did you feel like there was something in the air with this match? Because there's a lot of people putting this as a match where there was, and, and this is an overblown phrase, It's a, a there's been a, there was a paradigm shift in, in wrestling at this point where we, we, we saw more of the, the female wrestlers getting more of the, the spotlight in these big shows. And it all kind of feels like it boils down to take over Brooklyn. Watching it, did you feel like something was changing? I feel like the atmosphere you could feel, you knew that this was something big, but you didn't know what was coming. Definitely. With, um, you say like you watched NXT, was that was one of your, your earlier ones, and you Bailey was one of the first people that you gravitated to. What is it about Bailey, you think, that over so many other people on that roster at that point? I just think it was the attention that she would give fans. Mm -hmm. Like, I would go to some NXT shows. I also went to uh, the Arnold Classic, and I got to meet her. But I feel like it's the attention she would give people, and she would, like, uh, like she would point out a single person. Like, she did it to Izzy all the time. Or she would find, like, another person. and she. I just felt like she was very giving to the fans, and that's what drew my attention to her. Of, like, oh, she actually cares about us. With... Uh... Going back to the match, Bailey and Sasha Banks, is there a moment in that match, a particular moment that still stands out to you? And it, whether it whether it popped you watching it, whether it's something that you think back on, or whether it's something that you've incorporated into what you do, is there a moment that stands out to you in that match? I know this is going to be like one of those like weird ones, but it's like uh, Bailey does her signature like little uh, tightener hair pull uh, in her ponytail. Uh, I remember like her face when she did that uh it just had so much fire so if you see like when I wrestle sometimes I'll do like my big fire ups and you see me kind of do like the same face um and that's one of the things I would probably like take away of like one of those facials because you could just see the energy and frustration a lot of people have compared you to, to <laughs> people like Bailey and to people like Kaylee Ray as well. Also, Kylie Ray um, as well. Uh, are, are you at a point now where, whilst it's lovely to, to have those comparisons, that you're kind of you want to tell people, "I'm I'm not the next anybody. I'm the first. I'm the first me." Are you at that point now where you're building upon your own legacy? Do you feel? I feel like ever since like. If you're any person, when you first start wrestling, you're always going to be compared to whoever's been there longer than you. Uh, but you're always on your own journey, on your own legacy. So you're always making your own path. Absolutely. So let's uh, go back to 
Uh, you've been training. You've been there for six months. And the first match that you had on a main wrestling card, uh, the 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 reason that you ended up on the main card is actually <laughs> a really wonderful, deeply wholesome story that I would love for you to share, if you don't mind, Billy. <laughs> so uh, the funny story is uh, before I was on the main card, I was on pre-show and it was going to be my debut match versus another girl's debut match. Um, it was a girl that I've been training with. Um, and then we ended up selling so many tickets that my trainers were afraid that everyone's going to leave after pre-show. So they moved us to semi-main of the main show. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, no, I'm not prepared for this. I mean, that's a great marketing move by the, uh, by, by, by the promoter. Uh, but a, a big spot for you to be in. You say that you were nervous, but there was obviously there was was there an excitement there as well. I so I always talked about this of like I never got nervous before my matches of like I never had the butterflies or felt sick. It was always like okay, I'm ready or like excitement for wrestling, and I felt like that ha- happened a lot because of cheerleading, because um, I was always performing it just took away my nerves. Like my nerves were burned out by that point. It was just like, okay, it's time to go have fun. But on that particular show though, there was without a doubt nerves, right? So the nerves didn't happen until after the match. Cause during the match, I sprained my ankle and I'm sitting there like, Oh no. Oh no. I can't do this. I can't do this. That was like my freak out moment. It was never before the match. It was during the match of like you. If you watch my first match, which I believe is on YouTube, uh, there's a moment when I jump off the top and I go, I can't stand. I can't stand. And you hear me say this out loud because you just see me like mentally freak out for a second. And you when going back to that moment when you're you're stood on the top rope and you realize that you can't put the weight on it and you're saying I can't stand. What were you going to do? What was what was the the next move going to be? So it was I was supposed to do a dusty elbow off the top. I sprained my ankle um, and then I was supposed to do a reversal into a stratisfaction. Um, and it, it was just that moment of like, I don't know, like it was like one of those moments of like you didn't feel like you had control. Um, luckily, uh, the girl I was wrestling picked me up and we were able to finish the match. Um, but it was one of those moments that I had to sit there and be like, dang, this could have been real bad. (laughs) And and I presume you didn't miss much in the way of ring time with a sprained ankle. Did you take some time away? How long were you, how long were you away from it for? Um, I believe it was like two weeks off, but the entire time I was showing up to training, and like I would still try to sneak in the ring and then I would get yelled at of you're not supposed to be on your ankle, get off. Or like I had crunches. Like I remember after the show, um everybody's trying to help me to uh like the car and you just see me get mad at one point. He's like, Go away, I got this. <laughs> like I was just firing up and had so much adrenaline. Like after my first match, I had so much adrenaline, like the night I got home I stayed up to like 2 a.m to like talk to my friends and just like ah! 
Just buzzing off it, I, I can imagine. With um, It lends itself to what you were saying earlier about how people will say, oh, Billy's got all the time in the world to get better. But you're like, I don't want to. I want to get better now. I want to get, crack on now. It speaks to that when you're saying, I've sprained my ankle, I'm on crutches, but can I get in the ring for a bit anyway? Like there's <laughs> that that energy there to, to, to move along. Uh, in in building a character, this is something I always I'm always intrigued by, like the art of building a character. Now, um, I, I've I know you've done lots of interviews, Billy, where you've talked about all your nicknames and stuff, but I'm very aware that a lot of them come around as in jokes, and explaining in jokes to strangers is really awkward. So when <laughs> we're going to bypass the majority of that, you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> Let's go. I've explained so many of them. And yeah. Like, oh God, I, I don't think this is going to click. <laughs> I, I, I find it nightmarish trying to explain an in-joke that I've had with a friend to even like my partner or somebody else. Because it's like, I, I, it's funny to us. You had to be there for it. <laughs> you had to be there. The Space Jesus one has a fun story, though. At least. And this is the only name I'll ask about. <laughs> All the others, you do you. They make me laugh. They clearly pop you. Happy days. <laughs> do tell us the story behind Space Jesus. Okay, so Space Jesus is one of the nicknames that I go by. Um, and it all started because of this one guy. So there was a Bizarro Lucha show and there was a, a Jimmy Jacobs a seminar before the show I was not there because I had to show that evening and I showed up later um apparently during the seminar Jimmy Jacobs is going around and asking people okay what's your gimmick he gets to this one guy and he goes oh I'm a street fighter take in mind his hands are wrapped up in like uh wrist tape and like has a leather jacket on just chilling and Jimmy Jacobs goes okay that's cool but I need more. And he goes, well, like, that's my gimmick. And, like, I do this, too. And he's like, eh, more. Um, and he goes, okay, I think this will explain it all. And then he proceeds to take off his jacket, off his T-shirt, and then what is revealed is alien Jesus walking across water. <laughs> and gives no attention to this man and just goes, okay, and starts moving on to the next person. <laughs> and the the seminar is finished. Everything's going well. Uh, uh, the promoter is collecting the money for the seminar. He gets to this guy. The guy goes, we have to pay for this? <laughs> <laughs> Do you accept this as currency? <laughs> <laughs> And then he tries to say, oh, I'm on the show. And the promoter goes, no, you're not. <laughs> and he's out of the building. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, my God, I missed the seminar uh, because of the show I had. I, like, planned on taking the seminar and then I had a show. And I was like, why did I have to miss this? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's lovely chatting to you, Billy, but I want to chat to this lad. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I found one of his matches and it was just pure gold. Oh pure god. gold. Off air, will you tell me who he is? I can't, I can't. It's oh! top secret. Top secret. Oh, <laughs> well, look, I hope he's all right and I'm excited for his WWE Chronicle episode in 20 years' time. But I, 
I love people like that. Like folk, like people who, who don't even know what folk heroes they've become. <laughs> and I love, I love the idea that he woke up that morning and went, right, seminar day. <laughs> I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. Wait till he gets a cop of this. I'll be main eventing in. Like the, the, the mentality behind it. I just, oh, I love it. I love people like that. It's just the pure confidence this man has. Yes. God, I want a tenth of that confidence. That led to a, a wonderful moment where you, you took an opportunity to, to, pop, the, to, to pop the back essentially uh that was it that night at the show or was it at a, a following um, it was like a week or two later it was a friday night uh i went to a show um it was a bunch of my friends there and a, a few people who were at the seminar and uh the ring announcer comes to the back and goes okay who wants to be announced at space jesus tonight all talking about this guy and everybody's laughing and going oh me oh me oh me uh, me being the like person I am, I pull him off to the side and I go, you better not announce anybody as that. That's mine now. <laughs> and he goes, okay. So I call my match and completely forgot that I told him to do this by the time I make my entrance. I get in the ring and he goes, Space Jesus, Billy. And I go, and you just see me with the biggest smile just light up. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> And I think the fans caught on that this was, like, something real stupid, but they were like, yeah, we're going to support this. And they just went super loud for no reason. And I go, you know what? I'm going to keep this. I think it's funny. <laughs> if if you are laughing, more often than not, people will laugh with you. That's what it's... And, and do you know what? Sometimes there is there is a deep joy in, in finding a joke that is for a handful of people and doing it publicly. There is a deep joy that comes from it. The, hey, look, wrestling was shut down for most of 2020 as the world caught fire. But last year, you managed to still churn out a fair few decent matches. Killer Kelly, love Killer Kelly's work. You're in there with Diana Perrazzo for a bit as well. You, Elena Black, who's just turned up on, on NXT the other week. Uh, you, Despite that, how is it? How was it, though, after that break that the world had? Going back into a locker room for the first time, was it, was it, what was the experience like? So during the lockdown, the entire time I was going up to Indy with one of my friends and like working out and like, I was one of those lucky people that I still had access to a ring and was still being able to get in shape. Um, a lot of people didn't even have that, like their training schools were completely locked down. Um, so when I had my first like live show back, um, I remember I was wrestling Cole Radrick. It was a Friday. Um, and I was so excited because I'm like, we're about to do it. And this was like our second match that we we're having because we had one before. And Cole was like, yeah, I finally get to make up for uh, the first time when you got to beat me up. My turn now. And I was like, wait a minute. Sir. So I was just like so excited because I'm like, oh, it's my first back match back I'm wrestling one of my friends I'm in one of my favorite venues um I was just so happy and then uh when I had my match it was uh one of those times where like you know when you come back to wrestling uh you kind of zone out you're only focused on like everything that you're doing but I could hear people and you just like just seeing that it was like one person made me happy. Like I had an audience to play to now. It's not just by myself in a ring rolling around. How did you um, pack? It's just pure joy. 
sorry, I rudely rudely interrupted you there. Um, How did you pass the time during lockdown? Because I know that you're a big painter. Uh, Did you did you manage to pick up an easel for a while and do some painting? Um, I did actually. My I made one of my friends, uh, Rick and Morty, painting for his apartment. Um, I ended up painting a few things for myself. Like uh, I posted a picture of it online of like my galaxy painting of like the pinky promise. Um, and then I also fell in love with video games. Uh, my friends got me addicted to Call of Duty. That is literally all I play now. I play that Minecraft, which my mom yells at me all the time and tells me I'm too old for. And I'm like, <laughs> no, Minecraft is so peaceful. <laughs> There is, yeah, if you if you feel like letting off some steam, you've got Call of Duty. If you do feel like just having that moment where you switch off, you've got games like Minecraft or Animal Crossing where you can do that. When did you, how long I have you been, like, oh, go on. Oh, my, I like said during the quarantine when I wasn't able to like wrestle in a ring, my replacement for it was Call of Duty because I was like, I'm missing violence in my life. I need something. <laughs> and my mom goes, a first shooter game is not the solution for that. What's been a, a favorite moment on Call of Duty? Have you have you have you racked up an impressive kill that you want to boast about here? I think like my longest streak was like 11, and I was proud of myself because that is like, I, I think I'm proud of myself for that. Even though one of my friends is like. 18 because he's just absolutely ridiculous at the game um but then there was another moment i was playing with Corey storm and Corey storm is the most annoying person to play with when you're on hardcore mode because he just purposely kills you and i'm like why are you like this you're on my team and uh i ended up cussing at him and my mom overheard me and she goes uh my real name and i go oh sorry i forgot to close my door and she goes no that is not (laughs) (laughs) when did you first pick up minecraft because that's that's one that i never got my head around really no i'm too old uh minecraft more when i was in middle school but like minecraft blew up really big uh last year and that's when I fell back in love with it because I started watching YouTubers like uh, Dream and George Not Found and like Tommy in it, who you probably have no idea who it is, but like they were like uh, sources for my entertainment during this. And I would watch them play and I would just remember the entire time. I was like, this is so nice. I want to do this. So I fell back in love with Minecraft of like, oh, this is nice. I get to build little homes and like go to the nether. So it was just a good time for me. Did you do much on Twitch? Because I feel like a lot of people, when they when they were on downtime, took up Twitch. So I did like one or two Twitch episodes, but I find like it was so weird just like not, like it's weird for me not playing video games with a person and then mm. people wanting to, me to like talk or have commentary. And then I also get very aggressive when I play video games if it's not, like, Minecraft or something. (laughs) So, like, I get afraid that I'm going to, like, be, like, too aggressive. People are like, this isn't Billy. What's wrong with her? There is a a charm in in watching Billy play Call of Duty and swear. There is... (laughs) That's that's I'm some Patreon content, I think. She's like, you can't be screaming. And I'm like, it just frustrates me. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, look, we've got one more match to get to. Um, 
and also I like to spring this on people as well. We like to do this as well, as well as taking three wrestling matches onto the island. Uh, you're also permitted to take with you a movie, an album, oh. and a luxury item. A luxury item can mm-hmm. be uh, something functional. It can be um, it could be something with sentimental value, something to keep you sane on the island. It could be a hobby or an interest. But we'll get to that in a bit. But if I said to you, you could take a movie with you, Billy. What movie would you take? Oh, I would definitely take Heather's. It's like one of my favorite movies. And it's just one of those things that I've rewatched it so many times. It's like, this is this is it. This is all I could ask for. <laughs> what what scene gets you gets you right in the fields during Heather's? I think it's like when it, oh, I love this movie so much. So it's hard to. I love the cafeteria scene when uh, JD gets exp- uh, suspended uh, for shooting like the blinks. And then I also love when they first kill Heather and Veronica's just freaking out for a minute, and then she goes, "You know what? It's fine." <laughs> <laughs> What about an album? What album would you take, Billy? Uh, I would have to say the Front Bottoms album. Uh, I know what the album cover looks like, but I can't remember the name of the album. It's the one that has... Talon of the Hawk. That's it. That's I know what one. it looks like, but I'm so bad with remembering names. I've said this before. <laughs> you had a good musical upbringing because your mum was a Weezer fan. Oh, she loves Weezer. We have like Weezer posters in uh, like our hallway. And then when like my first concerts I went to were Weezer concerts, like we went to one in St. Louis and then we went to another one. And it was one of those things like my mom just is like a huge fan. So her favorite album's the Blue Album. I almost said that as like the album that I would take. And I was like, no, no, no. I need my emo music. <laughs> Talent of the Hawk front bottom. So uh is the twin size mattress song, is that is that the best song on the album for you? Or does Ooh. it depend on your mood? It really does depend on my mood, but like that's one so when I first started listening to them, uh Ben Cassie or Bastard Cassie uh was the one who showed me to him. And I think that was the first song he sent to me, and I just fell in love with it because it has such a great beat. And then I also love West Virginia. I don't know if it's on that album or the other one, uh, but it was like uh, it was so emotional. And I said, next time we go to West Virginia, we have to listen to this in the car ride Um, (laughs) as you cross the state border. Yes. Yes. Like everybody plays like the traditional one. Um, I want to play this one. (laughs) Amazing. And how about a luxury item? What are we thinking? I would bring my ladybug blanket. Like, this is, like, my blanket that I've had since I was a baby. My mom wants to throw it away so much, and I go, no, it's staying forever. If I ever get a boyfriend, he's going to have to sleep with it, too. This is <laughs> this is stuck with me for life. This What's is, like, the origin? What's the origin um, of the ladybug blanket? So, when I was Lily, uh, when I was little, um, I would be called Lilybug. Um, and it was just that thing that my mom would call me all the time. And uh, it was like when I was little, I was a little preemie baby. Uh, so the blanket I had was like this little cloth. And apparently I was so attached to that that my mom took it in my sleep and replaced it with the ladybug one because I got so big for the little cloth. And she was like, here's the replacement. And now this one 
uh, when I got old enough, I was like, understood, oh, this is what I need to sleep. So when my mom would try to take it, I go, no, no, no. And she hasn't been able to get it out of my hands since. Oh, so then you just clutch onto it now. When, um, when do you find, when was the last time you found that you needed to have the ladybug blanket nearby? Oh, I, I got in trouble for this. I went over to my friend's house and I wasn't supposed to spend the night. Um, and I'm hanging out there and then it hits like midnight and my friend goes, oh, you can just stay the night. And my mom goes, okay, that's fine. I stay for like, I go to try to fall asleep and I stay up and I'm like, I can't sleep. I don't have the ladybug blanket. And my mom gets a call at 3 a.m. in the morning of, hey, can you come pick me up? Um, she's thinking something's wrong. Like, I'm not okay. She gets there. Um, and I'm in the back scene. She goes, what's wrong? And I was like, I just couldn't sleep. And my dad goes, her freaking dang ladybug blanket. And I go, yeah. <laughs> oh, bless you. Oh, but that, I get it. Cause we had that as, you know, and, and, and it's difficult to let that go. Even as an adult, like to have that near you all the time. It's, it's a, like it's... one of those like comforting items. Like I can sleep with it without it now uh my best friend actually did this thing where he bullied me for a week he goes i i will uh like let you have this if you give me your ladybug blanket and i was like i will do it but i get it back next time i see you and he goes okay okay i give him the blanket I was able to sleep without my blanket for three nights and then i walk downstairs and look at my mom i go I can't do this no more. Like just mentally like unstable of like, I need it. <laughs> you got three good nights sleep and then that was it. Then, then you went a bit. Bashed. It was just insane from there. It was like, I need it back. <laughs> okay. So three luxury, that's your luxury item there. We've got one more wrestling match to do. So uh, a, a bruiser mates match of any choosing. We've had Bailey and Sasha Banks from takeover Brooklyn. What is your third and final match going to be Billy? My third and final match would be uh, Finn Balor. He was Prince Deva at the time versus Zack Sabre Jr. I believe it's a progress match. From the Isle of Sheffield, comes he weighs in a 185 pounds. He is one half of the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. This is Zack Sabre Jr. His opponent in the corner to my right. From Bray, County Wicklow in Ireland, weighing in 175 pounds, he is a two times NWA British Commonwealth Champion, a one time CMLL Middle Heavyweight Champion. He has won the best of Super Juniors in 2010 and 2013, a six time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion, and a three times IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. This is Prince Daddy! Drop kick from Devitt starts this off. 
Joker Devitt rolling his sleeves up. And he hits the double stomp on Zack Sabre Jr. Two count and what a way to start things off. Two of the best European exports to Japan of the last 20 years. Zack Sabre Jr. still out representing the UK in NOAH every single year. The fans chanting thank you progress. Has the opportunity presented itself for you to do stuff in the UK? I would love to. Like, I've talked about this a few times of, like, I honestly want to wrestle everywhere. I want to experience wrestling in different cultures because um, I really do believe it's a different environment for each one. With that particular match, uh, Balor and Sabre, and Sabre Jr., why that one? What stands out about that one to you? I loved Prince Devitt's entrance. He was dressed up as the Joker and he was all serious. And then I also loved the start of the match. He just drops kicks Zack Sabre Jr. to the other corner and then Zack Sabre Jr. feeds out and he uh, does his Pele kick. Um, and I think either Zack Sabre Jr. catches it and then power bombs him on the apron to get back at him. And I just thought it was like such a good start. And I was like, this grabbed my attention so quickly. Uh, Sabre Jr.'s style really stands out because it isn't like high flying and, 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 and big moves. It's very old school. Uh, yes. Did, when you first saw Zack Sabre Jr., what was your impression of that style? I always thought he was so smooth. Like I would talk about like his transitions into stuff. It was like he did it so flawlessly. And then the person actually looked like they were being stretched out and they were in pain. There was a real, there's a, it, he's very old school like that. And, and it's very, it's very much appreciated with that one as well. Uh, similar questions with Bailey and Sasha Banks. Is there a moment from that match that you have incorporated into your, into your repertoire? I have definitely stole like the opening of just that hot start where he just immediately drop kicks him. Uh, there's a match. Uh, that you see me do that exact same spot of the drop kick. I go for the kick on the apron power bomb because uh, I just love the energy and how fast paced it was at the very beginning of the match. So we're thinking for 2021 in a progress ring, uh, Billy with a shotgun drop kick start on Millie McKenzie. That seems oh, to be. Please, please. You put it out into the universe. And and you and you see what comes back, and you see what comes back. Normally, when people will ask you, "What are you hoping for for 2021?" But you know what? I think after the year we've had, we're just glad to be back doing it. But is there something that you're one particular thing that you are optimistic to see happen with yourself in 2021? I would love to be part of more intergender matches. Um, I want to just be back to traveling. I feel. Like, I want to do it safely, but I want to be wrestling every single weekend again because I just miss that sense of, like, oh, I get to see this person this weekend and this person. It just feels like I'm missing so much of my wrestling family right now. Billy, where can people find you online? Um, all of my social media is at Billy Starks, B-I-L-L-I-E, and then Starks is S-T-A-R-K-Z. Let's go back to, 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 to Billy at a very young age. 
Uh, when when you first watched wrestling for the first time, you sat there with your dad, sort of drinking and wrestling for the very first time. Is there anything you'd like to tell that younger self? Uh, I just warn her that the thing that she wants to do later in life is painful and don't do the dumb moves that she does now. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. (laughs) 